1: G'day, it's Rusty here, all set to shift into gear on part two of my podcast with former World Superbike star Aaron Slight. Just before we do, big thanks to all of you who've subscribed to the podcast and for telling your mates to jump on board too. We really appreciate the feedback on the Podcast One website and via social media. I may not be able to get to all of you when it comes to replies, I try, but we read everyone. and thanks to you, we've amassed quite a list of future guests that you'd like to hear from. Aaron Slight was one of those suggestions. This second instalment sees the Kiwi break onto the world stage. Monaco would become a home away from home, and later, what he thought was chronic fatigue turned out to be something way more serious. We begin this part on the cusp of that full-time European move and reflections of his success with Kawasaki and his memories of a cool bike, the ZXR 750R, which he rode to an Aussie title.
0: Yeah, no, it was awesome, that new bike. I don't know why it was so much better than the other bike, um, but it, maybe it was just a little bit more speed, or maybe, you know, I have no idea, but I remember riding that first uh, in Japan, a circuit called Mine, um, and that was the Pan Pacific Championship they started. So I won the first round on this bike. Um, I finished the race uh, last five laps with the the front brake pads were on steel. I had that that big a gap that I could get to the end. Um, Yeah, so that was the first race on it. And I ended up winning, I think, six out of six for the Pan Pacific Series on that bike. And winning in Australia a lot Mm -hmm. to win the Superbike Championship. And Robbie doing really well on the bike in Europe as well. Um, So that was all setting up for, you know, when they bring the World Superbike Championship back to Oran Park or wherever it's going to be. And I'll get to do the race in Sugo as well. Um, So, yeah, that that bike, yeah, brought me a lot of success. And, you know, we we didn't do much to it at all, really. It was just a cool bike, yeah.
1: It was a great period. And, you know, people will fondly remember that period for Kawasaki as well. And that kind of is how you would... um, move into the world championship really with a with a Kawasaki to begin with wouldn't you
0: yeah and that's once again so you know, you're saying how do you plan hmm. to get to Europe There's, there is no plan if there was no Kawasaki Australia there's no plan to go to Europe there's, there's, you know if you're riding for action Suzuki they weren't going to Europe so it was this
1: is, this is like phone call to phone call opportunity to opportunity yeah. that comes out of uh, I mean, I'm sure you hustled in a bit of that but also others that came left of field maybe
0: yeah yeah no, exactly and and you know why why does um you know Australia have the factory bikes mm. they have the factory bikes because of Greg Hanford and all these other contacts for the years and and why, you know, does Yamaha have it because they're trying to beat Greg Hensford in Australia or whatever. So the, 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 the choice of machinery in Australia was quite amazing and you mm-hmm. couldn't even get that in Europe. And so why... There's a brand new series starting. Why are they looking at Australia to be, you know, to take bikes there? So we were very, very lucky. You know, Robbie was lucky to be there. I was lucky to be there. You know, Mal Campbell was sort of on the end of it and didn't quite get there with Honda. Um, But, you know, this is this new championship starting. And if it wasn't starting, we probably wouldn't have got to Europe.
1: Mm. Mm. Amazing. So your record, um, you know, in in world superbike terms, I think is. it may a world championship may have alluded you, but there's some amazing success along the way that, that that you had. Once your eyes are opened to it, and and you know you clearly have a a an affinity or or a synergy with the you know with these with these bigger bikes, was it just one track mind that you know um, you wanted to be world champion, or was it still in the manner you just described about you know paycheck to paycheck? Still paycheck to paycheck. You
0: know, I'm mm. still a Kiwi. I'm still a, a kid from Masterton mm. with a one-year contract. Mm. And the first one-year contract wasn't big money. Mm. So it's not like I'm going to retire on it. Um, so I'm still coming back to be a motorcycle mechanic next year. Crazy. You know, I'm still mm. – and that's, that's how it was. And, um you know, so that's uh, 1992 mm-hmm. um, I went to the World Championship. But to start the year was a rough start. Like mm-hmm. 1991 I had a great year. Um, and actually from we were in Western Australia we had a race in Adelaide mm-hmm. and I the week between I, f- I flew to Milan mm-hmm. to meet with Peter Clifford and Agostini yep.
1: Um, so this is a good story that I'm glad you've that you, you've brought up. We're talking about Giacomo Agassini, a yeah. l- legend of the game. And at the time, I think he was trying to secure Kevin Schwantz, wasn't he? And you were going to be teammate to Kevin. There was a bit of gamesmanship in all this, wasn't there?
0: Yeah, and, and my link there was um, a Peter Clifford, who'd mm-hmm. come out to New Zealand every year for the um, the uh, Wanganui Street Series. Mm-hmm. So he said, you need to meet, come over and meet him. So I jump on a plane, and was on this plane, the meeting was cancelled. So, I'm flying to Germany. I'm spending all my money that I've made all year. And I'm giving a business class trip to there because I want to go and be a 500 rider. Um, so, he's trying to secure the Marlboro money, and he can only secure the Melbourne money Schatz. if Schwantz signs. Mm-hmm. So, this is just a punt. So, yeah, I've got five day or four days the Sunday to Thursday to get to Europe and back without telling Kawasaki I'm doing this. Um,
1: Doyle found out, mate, too, didn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I, I fly there. Um, I get to I get to Germany, I ring Peter and he says, Oh the meeting's cancelled. Oh, oh. He said, Carry on with your trip, I'll get on a flight and we'll we'll meet Ago uh, in uh, Milan anyway. Mm-hmm. So he did, but by then I think it had gone sour. They didn't tell me exactly what happened, but yeah, you know, Kevin wasn't signing and and Kenny was keeping the over money.
1: So cool, you get to meet Ago, but it yeah. leads nowhere.
0: And it's six grand that I haven't got anymore. <laughs> yeah, back then. Mm-hmm. So I arrived back, um, arrived back in Adelaide um, and yeah, I've got a cold from hell because I've been, you know, been up all night and flying to Europe. It's hard, mate,
1: a, a week yeah. back, backwards and forwards to Europe.
0: Yeah, yeah and I raced it each week in either side. I just one. F1 and the Subbot races in um, in Wanaru. and I get back to Adelaide, and it's a, a really cool picture of me and uh, Goddard uh, having coming together in the last corner, yep. and that was about winning that race as well.
1: It's a great photo, mate. It's in your book, which, yeah. and you're you're literally diving down the inside of him. If memory serves, it's at the hairpin on, or not the hairpin. It's it's on the the right hander going down the back straight, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Well, I'd led the whole race, and he passed me in the, into the hairpin on the on the last lap, and I thought was well, no way he's going to have this. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that was the very next weekend, and um, yeah, that deal didn't happen. Um, but because I was starting to look for other things, um, my contract for 1992 was to do the full championship. And then um, Gary Taylor rings me mm-hmm. as well, and uh, he wants me to ride the 500, which now Schwartz is riding. Da, da, da. So I'm, I'm trying to play two games here, and I'm pissing Kawasaki off. Um, and I don't know if it's personal or not, mm-hmm. but um, the 92 year I didn't do the two Italian races. I came home to um, New Zealand mm-hmm. while my bike and mechanics were at the track um, because I was supposed to be doing some testing. So that's how it sort of played out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that year I got to ride, yeah, I'm still in favour with the, with the Japanese mm-hmm. and I got to ride their new 250 V-twin um, at Daytona in a, in a team run by Cork Bellington. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my very first race for 1992 as Daytona. I'm over there. The bike is seizing every every time I ride it and throwing me on my head, and I'm losing confidence. And Cork's up me going, you know, I thought you were better than this. And once again, you know, the rider's not everything. Um, and we managed to finish the race. I'm the only guy on Michelin's. Everybody else on Dunlops. The tires were wrong for the track. Um, didn't have a very good result and I get on the plane, I fly to Europe and this is my first race in Europe, going to be almost a full world championship with the two races missed out that I've pissed everybody off, get to Albacete and win the first race. So I win my first race in Europe Mm. in the World Superbikes. And yeah, it's just awesome. Mm. Then the next race I crash out, so I'm leading the world championship one minute and then I'm brought back to earth the next. Yeah, so that was that year how it started, and I was I was there, you know, but I was never going to be in the championship because I was going to miss two races.
1: How much though did that? Um, I mean, the paddock already knew you, but but did it make them sort of sit up and take even more note what you were what you were doing and the satisfaction in that to to win that race under those kind of circumstances uh, at first one on yeah. the board that no, must have been quite special
0: yeah yeah it was and I think they'd seen me in Australia but they didn't think it was a bit like um, you know if you if you look at McDuan's career mm-hmm. you know going and, and winning those races on the Yamaha at Oram Park mm-hmm. you know the, the local boy winning the races but I'd fly into Europe and I'd won it in their place and mm. so yeah that was pretty cool and, and I had a bad weekend with Cork and I just thought well you stick that Cork you know the, <laughs> you know, the bike wasn't that good like I was telling you you know um, and yeah so that, that was the way it started and um, but I'd st- yeah I, I did sign that contract with um, you know with with uh, two races missing mm-hmm. but I did sign another two-year contract so I, it was on for 93 as well because okay. I don't know if that was because I was mucking them around they wanted to get me for two years or um, you know but that was the way that panned out which in the end um, was great for me because Muzzy took over the team the next year yeah. so once again I would have been without a job because okay. he brought on Scott Russell mm-hmm. and he had to have me because I had a two year contract okay. um, but yeah 92 was you know before that was was a great year. We had a, a lot of success over there and a lot of fun with with uh, Rob and Carol and their kids and yeah. you know. But we we were still um, we were living in hotels and didn't have any money to buy a rent a car or, or whatever you know. Uh, when when we were in in uh, Friedrichsdorf where the, the team was based, Megan actually came over then and um, we were yeah. If we didn't get up at seven thirty and go to the go to the workshop, we'd be stuck in the In the countryside, for the rest of the day, doing nothing, so okay. it was still hard, really hard and I think I got paid then f- thirty or fifty thousand Aussie for a, a full season, so there was no extra money okay. um, uh, but I had a two year contract.
1: What were the circuits like because you're all of a sudden exposed to some great tracks on the European or international scene like that, and are you doing things like um, learning a different language or, you know, just experiencing that culture. Cause you've got to get a bit embedded in that so that you are, um, you know, you get that bond with the mechanics and with the engineers and so on. Don't you?
0: Yeah, but very, very lucky. Once again, I had a, a Kiwi uh, chief mechanic. He was actually in England and he was hired for the team to come to uh, work in Germany. So Kiwi mechanic and the whole that I've never been good with languages cause the whole thing with languages is that um, you are in a, an English based team usually mm-hmm. with Japanese who have to speak English because no one's going to learn Japanese and then you do an Italian championship so you go to, <laughs> you go to a, you know, well an Italian championship it's all run by Italians yeah. and you, you might be in a you know in a, a different country not in so they're speaking Italian but you might be in Germany yeah, okay. so there's just too many languages going on <laughs> and you know um, to a Japanese a swing arm a swing arm yeah. You know, there's no Japanese name for it. So you can get a get away with talking to them about the bike because that's what it is. And so probably not much of the language, but um, that's what I have loved all about you know, when we did race in Europe and having motorhomes and things was you actually live it. Mm. You're not in a hotel. You're not um, you know, getting a, a render car and driving to the circuit and back. Mm-hmm. When you're in your motorhome, you're going down and shopping for groceries and you're doing what the locals do. Yeah. And that was awesome. Yeah. You know, and that But that didn't sort of happen until the next year uh, because we're still now just sort of doing race by race, doing a lot in Japan still, flying yeah. back for eight-hour tests and back and forward. Yeah. Nice. yeah.
1: So, so people know you uh, you know that, that follow motorcycle racing will know about that that history with Kawasaki in this phase but a lot of people will perhaps remember you for red green and white colors for Honda right how did that that opportunity um kind of come about and and as a as a chapter mate it's a very special one for you isn't
0: it? yeah well and it probably is special and, and the Honda days were great for me but you know the, the I still have one more year left at Kawasaki and that's with the Muzzy Kawasaki. Yep. Um, so that probably sets me up for that because I'm quite a loyal person and I wanted to stay with Kawasaki. So mm-hmm. I had this uh, two-year contract and I was getting um, paid to, to be with Muzzy for the next year. And yeah,
1: We're a great team, we should point out too, at this phase, were not they?
0: Yeah, that's but um, we had full factory bikes in 92 mm-hmm. and then we had Muzzy walk in going, well, I can do it with bits from america that would be a bit cheaper and i can put okay. it in my back pocket okay. um, so suddenly we're on dunlop tires which you uh, kawasaki's never used mm-hmm. um which is fine um but suddenly we're using pvm wheels not marcasinis suddenly we're using pvm brakes not um you know the brembo brakes suddenly we're using uh, a muzzy pipe because he's a pipe manufacturer mm-hmm. um and but he comes from a drag racing background so all his pipes are top end no bottom end mm. There's um, all these differences. Suddenly, That's a significant shift in dynamic, mate, isn't it, in terms yeah. of, yeah. Suddenly we're using um, you know, we're using uh, valves that have come from, um, not from the factory, they've come from America because they can make them cheaper there. So, you know, in a long weekend, by the end of the race, the, the valve clearance is starting to close up and you're losing horsepower. So, yeah, this is all, you're, you're saying, yeah, I'm... T- you don't want to bag anywhere, but this yes. is the, the truth. You got a factory motorbike and the next year you you haven't really got a factory motorbike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got Scott Russell, great guy, mm-hmm. awesome rider, and he's been riding these bikes and he knows how they work and he's got the same mechanics and he uses qualifiers yeah. like lollipops, you know, one suck and they're gone. And I'm from the you know, I'm testing the um, the bikes, you know, the bikes all the time, I'm doing the tire testing because that's my background. And and so in the end, I'm doing the tire testing for him while he's checking on qualifiers and, and doing the fast laps. Um, so that was a new experience too. So I struggled for probably half a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the year, I was on the same pace and I was beating Scott and getting told to slow down. So, um, you yeah, know, at Monza, the, at the middle of, middle of the year, Monza, it rained um, Scott was leading I passed him and pulled away and, and won the race and got told never to, never going to happen again wow. um, and from that we went to, uh, to Donington and I, Scott was in front I caught him passed him for both and then did wheelies round for two laps so everyone knew that I was backing off and got paid the bonus money for first because I said if I'm going to do it again you're going to pay me for oh, no. when yeah, I'm yeah, going to finish yeah. so for I got bonus money two first place bonuses for, Don, uh, for Donington so at the end of the year I'd got the hang of their bike mm-hmm. um, but it also we'd also had Sugo three quarters of the way through the year mm-hmm. and I'd taken a Kawasaki exhaust pipe and put a, a Muzzy emblem on it <laughs> because I couldn't ride the thing wow. it just didn't have enough low down grunt for me mm-hmm. um, and the factory said try this so I did, and never took it off, wow. and I've actually still got it hanging in my shed. Cause Do you? at the last race was Mexico, yeah. and Mexico was cancelled, and so I went to the shed and unbolted the exhaust because it was it was mine, <laughs> and it's still hanging there. Yeah, um, that's fantastic. And it, it made all the difference. You did wouldn't it? you wouldn't think it could, um, but yeah, Scott had been riding those bikes like that and was used to it. And um, but he at the same Sugo race they gave him a pipe and an engine, and he won won two race. Uh, won the second race, not the first. I beat him in the first race, he won the second race and I finished still back in eighth. Mm. It made all the difference and Kawasaki, it wasn't a factory team, you know, Kawasaki were paying Muzzy to run a team and and it was about what was left over is what he made. Mm -hmm. So if he could shortcut it, he did. Um, yeah, it was a business thing I'm not not, yeah. not taking away but it's a business thing but they were full factory bikes always with Kawasaki yeah. but when we moved into that it was different so that was the end of the Kawasaki for me and um, I actually got the offer from Neil Tuxworth to ride a Honda and I was torn um, so I rung out of loyalty or? out of loyalty so I actually rung Neville Doyle uh, Peter's dad yeah. and said you know what should I do what should I do wow yeah what did he say and he said you just got to do what's best for you yeah. Um, and I just didn't see the Muzzy thing hitting anywhere good, mm. um, and I, I believed that Honda could do a good thing, but didn't know mm. um, the RC forty-five, RC thirty was a great bike, mm. so I was hopeful. Mm. Um, so signed with them, being an English-based team, but a factory team, mm. um, and that was yeah the best thing I ever did really.
1: Amazing. Let's talk about some of the bikes in that that Honda era. I know I know. Um, we probably should paint a picture a little bit too for people that that don't know about. Uh, super bikes in this phase the the rules um uh, which probably wind you up a little bit at times was was sort of time. Yeah, time, a lot <laughs> um you know uh v twins versus fours and and um you you give us your thoughts on that first
0: yeah, well, the, the championship was great. Like, you know, when it was an eight-five-one mm. and a V-twin, mm. and we were seven-fifty-four cylinders, we had more top end, faster than they were, mm. but we were actually heavy at that stage as well, so they'd outbreak us. Okay. And the racing was great. Mm. And there's some tracks that they would just clean up, and there's some tracks that Robbie On's Kawasaki would pull away and mm. and clean up. And but the, the formula was always it was allowed to be a thousand. So when you get close, what do they do? They bore it out. Mm. So it became an eight-eight-eight, mm. an eight-eight-eight. Mm. Then it became a um, 901. Then it became a 916. Then it became a 925. Then it became a 955. Mm. And then it, um, you
1: know, just so we got... about Ducatis here, by the way. Yeah. We should. We should point
0: so, yeah. So then it just got the bikes got bigger and bigger. And then and, you know, it was just the formula did suit them. You know, and, and as I wrote my book in 2000, um, at that time, 75% of the races were won by Ducati, and six manufacturers shared the other 25%. Crazy. You know, and and it was just, it's just obvious. But why? I don't blame them. That's mm. what the rules were. Mm. Um, but how do you? I, I've never seen another series that has different displacements. Mm. You know, mm. the rotaries have been a, a nightmare forever for for what class they should run in. Um, mm. There is no dis, you know way to do a formula with displacement. Mm. Um, so you know, it was, it was pretty hard. And and you know we. Yeah, you know, our Honda was an amazing bike. A, a V four should be better than a, than maybe an inline four for torque. Mm-hmm. So we have maybe a little advantage, mm-hmm. but the V twin being bigger and you know a, a, so much torque and mm-hmm. just so much easier on the tires. And yeah, you know, when we got it right, it was awesome. You could win a race. And then what usually happened is they would find out what tire you had on, and then next when next race you don't win. You know, and and things like the Honda would have. Um, six ratios for every gear in the gearbox Mm -hmm. and three primary drives so in one corner you can have it you know doing a speed of you know a K different than the other you know you can be doing 125 K at full at full RPM or 122 or 127 you you can gear it for whatever Mm -hmm. Ducati just change the final drive you know they don't change the gearbox they don't need to Mm -hmm. you know and somewhere like Mazzano, they use three gears yeah, you know, we used all six and a hundred times over to try and be perfect. Mm. Yeah, you know, our, our bike was just so. We we just worked so hard for so many years, like we and changing gearboxes and and you go there with a the perfect combination and mm. and a, a different year from last year because you get it made, you know and where they didn't have to worry about that stuff. So it, it, they weren't pushed to the edge like they should have been um, because I think the formula was wrong, yeah. The,
1: the sport, you know, in, in the um, period you came through and even right through to now, the explosion of technology has been massive. And the, you know, I think back then, did you, am I right in saying that you used to keep a little diary of your lap times and then you could always go back and, and look at things? Did you enjoy that, that technical side?
0: Yeah, always, and, and it, it got me, now that I was sort of, there's still only one-year contracts, but I knew that I'd have something going next year. Mm-hmm. I used to take some information for myself that if I was going somewhere else, oh, really? um, okay. so I could use that. And, um, you know, I, I'd always have a track map, and this is the gears I was using, and this is my break points, and, you know, I'd always have that for next year because I, suddenly I was coming back to those tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's so that made a, a big difference, um, and it made a big difference when I was staying as well. We had a lot of info. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what used to piss you off when they just turn up and go oh what sort of gearing should we put on today you know we'd been working so hard for, for five years of the bike and getting it right and all those sort of things And um, but you know I did a lot of homework like that and we were starting to bring in telemetry you know, like reading the telemetry then but you know RPM and throttle opening and um, fork movement and wheel spin starting to read that then mm-hmm. um, so I was sort of enjoying that and um, but only it was only for a backup. It wasn't. It wasn't to steer me in a direction. It was only to confirm, so I could confirm to my chief mechanic, this mm. is what's happening, because mm. I've told you, and now you can see it. Mm. Yeah.
1: Big operation too, mate. I mean, what, what are we talking here? I mean, Neil Tuxworth's operation was. You know, very well regarded. We're probably talking about thirty people. I can, I can recall. I think Chris Herring running the public relations and things back then. It, mm. It's big deal.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we we're up to thirty people by then. Um, we did run sometimes run the six hundred as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, every every like I had yeah you know, chief mechanic like I said before a chassis guy. Um, but you'd have probably five guys working on the bike mm-hmm. um, on one of one of the two bikes, mm-hmm. um, plus all the um, you know we have Japanese technicians as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some telemetry people you know you, I couldn't count them per bike because some shared roles you know there was a suspension guy as well there's guys from Showa you know because we were factory shower at that time so there's Japanese from Showa there was Nissan people there was you know Michelin people mm. um, so those people went full-time with us so there were other people as well but yeah, you know, heaps and heaps yeah
1: well here at your house we should point out to your dog gave me a lovely greeting when I arrived today and the cat has just decided to jump in your lap who, who have we got here
0: uh, well, this this is our Louie yeah. because we did have another cat called Monty, so we had Monte Carlo, oh. <laughs> and, our, and now we have got Louie And and I'm not an animal person. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's oh, only wait. it's only been um, in the last few years that that um, these animals are around, aren't they, mate?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Since since they clearly know that too. They're trying to win you over. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but this this one next year. And if you don't pay me attention, here he'll, he'll swipe your nose. <laughs>
1: i love it let's um let's press on a little bit if we can about um about the bikes and the and the championship firstly i want to touch on a little something in mainstream media probably in this part of the world it doesn't get enough of the kudos that it should deserve and that is the eight hour the suzuka eight hour motorcycle fans will know it um and even even car racing people know the importance Mm. of the of the race to win it Three in a row, mate, is a huge, huge achievement. Is there one that stands out and why? And is there a bike from those trio that you have this sort of fond memory of?
0: And I'm sticking with that that record too because that was yes. two two rider teams. Yeah, It's been broken, I think, um, four in a row, but that was in the three rider team. Mm-hmm. So we're still the only one to do it in the two rider team. Yes. And the fourth time, um, Taddy qualified on pole and we were leading the race when I threw it away, so... I have only myself to blame for that but yeah so three years in a row and three different teammates uh the first year was the last year of F1 so so last time Kawasaki can ever win it Mm -hmm. at F1 um and we went on a bike that's yeah the the the, the race was a bit weird they stopped it at one stage because there's a fire on, on the um uh, one of the degna curves mm-hmm. um and they restarted it um but yes scott and i won that um so the the laps i think it's only 163 laps it's not 210 because it was stopped for a little while but uh yeah that was the first one and it was the last time that kawasaki could win it. Um, so that was pretty cool on an F1 bike, and it, it was it was a big a big thing, you know. It it's just seemed, yeah, the, the, the big for them, you know, their last time. And um, so then I changed to Honda, of course. And so it's a Superbike rules the next year. New teammate, new teammates. Um, Doug Poland. Doug Poland's world champion off a of Ducati, but he just can't find his ass on the Honda. Wow. Like, he just yeah, like you him just. Again, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's. You know, Doug was an amazing rider like mm. uh, I'd met him in Japan earlier on when he rode G6Rs and you yeah, know he won the F3 and he won the F1 on the, on the Suzuki He's an awesome rider and then he got on the Ducati and, and, and just won everything um, but coming back to the four cylinder he just he just could not ride it and um,
1: So did you make up the deficit there? Like how did you deal with that?
0: Yeah well that's what happened um, so um, you know Doug struggled a bit, but he, and like he should, he should have. He was the number one rider for Co, uh, Co, Castro Honda, mm-hmm. but I was always faster. And at the eight hour, yeah, I was faster again. Um, and it was it was me and him, and it was Terry Reimer and Scott Russell uh, was who the race was between. Mm-hmm. And Terry was a little bit slower than Scott, mm-hmm. so the teams were pretty pretty even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we did was uh, we we put Doug on the bike uh, to start, and then I was going to finish and in there we'd stretched this fuel out like an hour and five so the last ones were going to be a bit smaller a bit shorter so when we put doug out for the last time he only did a 45 minute stint Mm -hmm. um so we had an extra 15 minutes that i could be on the bike Mm -hmm. and was like he didn't realize this for about four laps but then they tweaked onto it then i got on the bike early and they they put Scott on the bike for the last hour as well or you know an hour to go we'd done an hour and, an hour and ten Epic. and I can remember going down the front straight and going turning into turn one and he was pulling out of the pit lane and I just gave him the bird <laughs> as he pulled it because I thought well you know I'm, I'm, my tires are hot I'm on the pace and and he's coming out of the pit lane and I'll have a gap because and, like, and I'd won it with him the year before so we were great mates me, if he wasn't on me by the, going into the S's, he was on me for the last hour and we, were just, we just battled for the whole last hour and he only led me once and it was off the back straight mm-hmm. and I think the Honda might have been a little bit better because we were fuel injected so it might have altered for the air temperature at night mm-hmm. but he got past me and then he, it looked like he didn't know where the braking markers were because was the dark uh-huh. so I'd led for an hour and I knew where I was going and he got in front once and it was dark and he broke early and I passed him again he never passed me. Wow. And we won it by that year by 0.003 of a second after eight hours so yeah so that was awesome because the, the honda was a, you know the 94 bike mm. i'd already lost points from uh, a fuel discrepancy the bike wasn't that fast mm. and so we managed to win it um, and i beat my teammate from the last year fantastic so that was awesome um and then the next year i get teamed up with teddy mm-hmm. Taddy Okada, so Japanese writer. First time I'd met Taddy, and you know, Japanese are different people. Um, but he was just so, uh, he was just a Caucasian Japanese. He was so cool. And I got there, and I was particularly about things and, and you know, handlebar position and all sort of stuff. And I can remember saying always, you know, I want to adjust this. And Taddy, every time he says, any okay? Any okay? I want a new rear shock. Any okay?
1: Yeah. Happy, happy to work with you on yeah. what you want yeah. yeah,
0: any okay, and that was all he said. Any okay, I am gonna, I am gonna, I am gonna change a rear spring. Yep, any okay, and he just ride it. And and I think they, it's it's hard to ride Suzuka for a, um for a European because the track is just so tough. Mm. But they've done so many laps, mm. and he and it was great that he would do that because he'd give me the confidence mm. to get it set for me. But he could ride anything, you know, and he'd ridden so many laps, and it was any okay, Amazing. yeah, too easy, Amazing.
1: yeah. Amazing. yeah awesome memories there mate yeah. walk people down if you can your your memories of your first win for the honda team where you were how the race went down
0: yeah well it was probably even started you know back in 94 as you know the 916 came out and so Carl was on that car and, yeah. car and so you know ducati have to make 200 bikes we have to make a thousand bikes there's five bikes in existence and they're all on the racetrack I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know, so Cal's got one of those and we've got our bike and we um yeah, you know, we go to our, our first rate of actually going even back further than that, we go to the first test at Phillip Island. I've signed yeah, you know, we've talked about it before, I've signed for, for Honda and they're gonna make an awesome motorbike and we're gonna be in the championship. And we go to our first test at Phillip Island and I've got Doug Pollan, the ex world champion, as my teammate, and we go to Phillip Island and I'm the lap record holder and I'm two seconds a lap off the off the pace. And Doug is three and a half seconds and this is gonna be our bike for the year.
1: So at this point are you going have, have, I they, have they yeah what have I done but also have they not done their homework or what, what, what exactly
0: we, mm, you know like since they left the championship they haven't done their homework they haven't seen how much the, the Ducati's improved and now I'm even two seconds slower than I was on the Kawasaki um, but it gave me some hope as a as a motorcycle mechanic when they we did see them take the heads off the bike and the shape of the pistons was horrible just mm-hmm. that was basic you know they, they'd made a, a street bike and given a kit and thought they were going to do it Okay. Um, so that was, that was very disappointing. But then I went to the very first race uh, at Donington and we'd worked on the bike, worked on, worked on the bike, and I got two second places. Amazing. And it was really cool. But that was my type of track, you know, hard braking. And, and then two weeks time or three weeks time to get those results taken away from me because of a fuel discrepancy mm-hmm. just, um, just ruined the whole. I mean, I, I had, that year I had nine second places never won a the bike wasn't capable of winning a race Mm -hmm. you know um
1: pure tenacity mate
0: yeah and like doug had already had a two-year contract and he'd already told me he wasn't going to ride the next year because it's the bike's no good
1: he was beaten already in that sense kind of yeah Yeah, yeah.
0: so i had nine single places they took they took me points away and why they took my points away was we were using elf fuel Mm -hmm. and our elf fuel was the same as what they used on the 500s and it wasn't world Superbike bike spec but half the paddock was using it and and they checked me and Andy Meeklow. we both failed because we were all using it but the other thing that really pissed me off is they never checked my bike for the second race we we're obviously using it mm. but they never checked it but they took both sets of points they can't tell if i was you know so what you were doing in that race yeah okay. so we were obviously using it but it was never they didn't follow the process mm. you know um so I was I was leading the championship my first year with Honda. I wasn't leading it. I was leading it. I wasn't. It was going to tribunal I wasn't. You know. So then I ended up losing all those points. So forty points from from Donington. Um, so that was that year. The bike, I, like I say, I wasn't capable of winning. Um, but it, the the more the the biggest the, the the win on the Honda for me it wasn't sort of the one when it was a double victory at Misano mm-hmm. in nineteen ninety eight. So we you know we're talking yeah. another four years. So it, it's. Um, yeah, we won some other races. Um, yeah, in 1996, I, I, I beat Killy at, at Hockenheim and knocked mm. him off. Well, it was a, an incident with us, and mm. and we'd won there. That was pretty cool. And, you know, there's some really cool ones. But
1: to, our, to win at Mazzano, we're Mizano, talking yeah. Italy yeah. on the Adriatic. Um, yeah, that's pretty big. Mm.
0: But also, we're talking um, 94. We had to use Dunlops because that's what um, Doug wanted to do. 95 I went to Michelin. 95, I was outside the top 15 didn't score a point at Mazzano and then 98 I have a double victory um, so that was you know and my first double you know mm. like, like I say every time we win a race the next race the Ducati would come out stronger mm. but I actually won two for the first time and that was that was big mm. and I can remember in the very first race uh, getting away and I'm following Troy Corsa following and I'm just, I'm just thinking, I'm, I've am I'm got it sussed I'm just sitting here this, this is not mm. too bad I'm saving my tyres I can race with these guys at the end and then um, Carl had made a bad um, start. He sort of fifth away. But I, I can remember to this day thinking, when he gets it, within a second, I'm going. Mm-hmm. And I came past the pit, pit that had um, 0.9 on there. I passed. Um, All uh, on the uh, yeah, oh, yeah, and I passed Troy into the next, the left that goes on the back straight, that goes the other way. Mm-hmm. Passed him there and went for it and gapped them and I'm sure Troy was just saying that's right he'll come back to us because it always happens we wear our tyres out mm. and I pulled like you know a couple of seconds and I just never came back um, and I think um, Carl actually got past Troy and, and got to second but couldn't close the gap mm. so that was really cool but I go back to my home thinking well they know what I've done now mm. but we managed to do it in the next race as well so that was that was yeah the, the best weekend uh, and and then that year I did it again at, at um, won, A1 ring yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and the worst thing about it is is our commentary is is, is from um, England yeah you know, okay. English commentary is from England so every time you watch you want to see what you you did in the race, mm. and all you can hear is these poms going on about <laughs> how fast the Honda <laughs> is and and how how great Carl will be if he wins the race mm. we well, didn't win the race you know and, mm. and you. Know, that was one of my biggest things in my whole career was, is the, you know, me and Carl, that, that, that rivalry was so amped up by the media. Mm. And I can remember Carl saying to me, you know, well, that's, this is my media, this is English commentary. I said, yeah, but it's for the rest of the world they don't have to be that biased mm. um, but yeah it was just that way and you know I can remember even at that race at the ring you know, the Honda was so fast but they they always forget that um, the top speed um, you know where they measure your top speed mm. is for cars mm. and cars brake 100 meters later yeah. so it just all it proved was I was later on the brakes than he was because you know you were into the braking medium mark that's that's all it proved um, okay. And our bikes were never top speed, yeah, you know, over them, and that It's the, the whinging and the moaning and yeah, it just just used to do my head in, and and I actually saw a, a sports psychologist halfway through my Honda career,
1: Did
0: you? yeah, going on and I you know, about what I can do, and, and he said you need to stop think- you need to ride that bike or f- get on with it. Okay. So stop thinking. Stop thinking. That. If you if mm. think it's, it's so good, why don't you ride it? Mm. Um, so I in about halfway through my Honda career I was talking to uh, Virginia Ferrari about joining Ducati mm-hmm. um, and I talked and talked and was going to be there it. and I was just in the end dealing with the Italians and not having a contract when was the contract coming when were we going to send it mm-hmm. you know it was better the devil you knew mm-hmm. um, and we started talking money and he, he indicated that car wasn't getting paid that and I was like "Well, I'm not doing it for any less mm-hmm. um, and so I ended up sticking and, and that was from that point on I started calling them red bikes, not Ducati's. Mm-hmm. Um, just started to make it different, you know? Mm-hmm. I can't keep complaining. Mm-hmm. I've complained a lot since, but yeah, <laughs> you either join them or you fucking get on with it. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we ended up doing really. And, and that's when, you know, 98 was, a. I won more races than Carl did, mm-hmm. um, but I lost by four and a half points, but had five races where I think every race I can go through there was, you know, something went wrong. Um, yeah, so that was, that was, I was, that was when I felt unbeatable that year. You know, I'm on, I I thought the bike wasn't as good as theirs, but I can win on it and I can win everywhere. Um, And it was just awesome. And then 99 started, Mm. we had a bike that's, and during, sorry, during that 98 season, I was already starting to test the Mm V-twin. So I'm doing double duties, riding the V-twin, riding the V-4, doing the 8-hour, doing all these things. And are we going to ride a V-twin? Then 99, we're still on the the RC45. Mm. Um, and this is where I'm starting to feel really bad. Um, so I'm having, I'm having these micro bleeds, which mm-hmm. I I don't know this,
1: mm-hmm. but I'm. How far into the year are we talking?
0: First test. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there was a photo on social media a little while ago. It was me asleep in a wheel crate. Mm. You know, during the test, I'm out the back having a sleep between mm. guys changing front forks mm. and I don't know what's going on and I've been seeing people and you know they're suggesting all sorts of things and you
1: spoke to Barry Sheen too didn't you yeah. you talked about because uh, he had chronic fatigue
0: yeah and I thought it was chronic fatigue mm. but what is chronic fatigue no, one's, no one still knows what it is mm.
1: um, you're having ice baths and all sorts of things yeah that's, yeah used
0: to do. that's what he said Yeah, this is like every morning I get up and I have a, have a cold bath and gets me going and mm. trying all those sorts of things and you know I'm just, I thought I was losing my marbles and mm. Um, But it was just really hard work. And in the first race uh, we had at Donington, um, I I made contact with uh, Colin Edwards, got knocked off by him and broke my finger. Um, And it was just a shit of a year. And then we finally got to the end of the year and I had a a bleed. Mm. Um, mm.
1: The the bleed kind of – I mean, it's in the book. It's uh, quite a story, mate. And and the story perhaps in some ways – Begins to, to reach an important point when you go boogie boarding with your teammates at Phillip Island while you while you're testing there and you felt you, you you felt something wasn't right after one particular wave you'd only been in the water a short period of time hadn't
0: you yeah and it was just the the sun just the glare off the off, it was just, the headache was just so intense off the water off yeah. the water the glare was just so intense that I couldn't even open my eyes I had to get out and you know sit on the bank and I think that was the final having a bleed, you know. Mm. Um, but that next day I had to get to Sydney for a test at Eastern Creek. Mm. So I get get there and I get to the hotel and I wake up the next morning and I wake up and I have no sight. I have no sight at all and I'm pulling curtains going, I can't see mm. and same so way my uh, vision comes back but the, the, it's that badly double vision that I can't operate unless I close one of my eyes like the double vision is immense and, and what is happening is putting um, the bleed is putting uh, pressure on the um, eye nerves in the base of my, um, yeah. back in, in, in my brain stem and that's putting the pressure on and I'm going you know still I surely only come right mm. I go out to the track swing, swing my leg over the bike and ride for 10 laps and I'm you know five, ten seconds of the
1: pace, yeah which is a lot in bike racing is yeah. a lifetime. you guys yeah. are measured in hundreds we're talking
0: you go out there and mm. you tested the bike last week, you'll be within a second within mm. five four three laps, mm. and I'm going into turn three at full um, at eastern creek, and it's it's always bumping okay. there mm. and my my brain can't slow process, the process yeah. the bumps mm. it, it's just it just can't keep up it's like a bad damper, got mm. no damping. And I just got off the bike and said, oh, "I don't know what I'm doing, but I've got to go and see somebody." Mm-hmm. So I rang the doctor that I've been seeing a lot over here, and she said, "I know this lady at the Royal um, North Shore. Mm-hmm. Go and see her, and I'll send her your medical records." And she sent us medical records which she'd been, you know, we doing all these things, and she had on the bottom the first page, she had it in her handwriting. The only thing I haven't done is imagery of his head, M- MRI. So straight an MRI, and I got a two and a half centimetre bleed on the brain. heard that rodeo riders have the most injuries from their sport i don't think they have
1: anything on bike races these people are bulletproof you had to tell the team obviously i mean um tough conversation i would imagine with with neil tuxworth how did all that stuff go
0: yeah well i, I actually had the mri and started driving to robbie Phyllis's place he lived in sydney so i'm on the way driving he, he's picked me up from the hospital because i can't drive um, I get halfway there and the hospital is running. and said we don't think you should be there tonight come back, come back. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to operate um, so I go back there and, and now I'm not worried about the team I'm just you know I need to be on the road to recovery mm-hmm. Megan's about to get on a flight um, which is the next day and we're going to meet in Sydney airport and then fly on to Europe for the season mm-hmm. so I said think you, I think
1: you told her don't you connect didn't you, yeah, you just,
0: just get off in Sydney because there's some drama mm-hmm. um, so that's what happened um yeah, luckily, them uh, then start ringing the team, telling them this is what's going on. Mm. Not really seeing the team because they're too busy doing their test, and um, they get on a plane to Europe, and I have an operation. Um, but, you yeah, know, what, what good is a motorcycle race who's had a brain operation? <laughs> You've had brain surgery, it's just it's the end of your career. Mm. Um, so that's what. I thought everybody thought Um, and usually the weird thing about I'm still searching I'm actually seeing a neurologist tomorrow in Wellington Mm, because I still yeah I'm still not great Uh, as in, I'm no symptoms at all, but I suffer from fatigue, mm. you know, still to today. And I, but so
1: effectively, it was it was a, a bleed on the brain about two centimetres or thereabouts. Is that yeah. right? And, and is it effectively like a, a little bit of a stroke? What yeah. is it? Yeah. Well, the, any b- bleed on the
0: brain is called a stroke. Right, yeah. But this, this um, and usually you have a stroke and then you get rid of the stroke and, mm. and you get rid of the pressure and you're away. Mm. And it's usually only once, you only have one set of pressure but mm-hmm. this mine was um is a cavernous malformation which is a um it's you're born with it mm-hmm. so it's a deterioration of of say some veins mm-hmm. and they do have the this is why i couldn't get over what was happening the year before and people when i was seeing people that they it's gradually going it's yeah so mm-hmm. it's, i'm having microbleeds and it's putting pressure on the brain and then i'm getting over it mm-hmm. and i'm having it again i'm getting over it <laughs> but they're only yeah, you know, when you're talking two and a half centimetre that's not very big anyway mm. but the microbleeds must be tiny mm. um, so that's why I, I struggle for information now is that is people think a bleed's a bleed and that's it but when you have it for a whole year mm. affecting you for a whole year and you're getting over it um, which impacted that. yeah it was, mm. which is and and I can remember saying to people you know uh, it's, I said to Carol this night that I had a um, uh, Carol Phyllis when yeah. I, I came out of the hospital when they were driving me back and, you know I, I'm just so thankful someone's found something yeah, I'm just an uh, and I yeah I just yeah. I, and yes, yeah, she, she always just She's I used to talk to her a lot she said, yeah it's just in your head I said it's in my head alright <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there it is there's the bleed you know yeah. and, uh, and that was that was a great thing for me just to for, you
1: weren't going mad mate. Yeah,
0: I weren't going mad. Mm. And yeah, you know, why why was it, did I get to thirty four years of age and suddenly become a slow motorcyclist? Yeah, you know, mm. what, oh. what mm. you know what was going on? And and I struggled so much and um but yeah, you know, getting over that, yeah, you know, I don't know what you do as a normal person, but all I knew was motorcycling. Mm. So all it was was I was going to get back and ride the bike. Um,
1: That's wild. So there's quite yeah. a there's a photo in the book of, you know, quite a big scar at the back of your your, your head. Am I correct? Was it 12 weeks later, or maybe not even that much, you, you're back on the bike and at it again?
0: Well, they said, you know, when you open your head up, you lose your, your, your driver's licence for uh, for 12 months straight away. That's what they do.
1: Did they tell you game over What did in terms of racing? What did they no, say?
0: No, he gave me every encouragement, and, yep, and he actually put plates in my head because he didn't just glue it, because he knew I was going to get back there. Okay. He said, "Yeah, you know, because you know they cement they cement the skull back in, mm-hmm. and then it calcifies over." But he actually put plates in there because he knew I was going to get back on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave me every encouragement and said you know that what you do sooner is, is you know you're going to be stuck with that for life if you don't do anything you'll be stuck with you know not being able to do things you know um, we don't know where it is in the brain I mean we don't know what it affects it's mainly your sight and it's mainly your, um, your balance mm-hmm. which is not good and it's your depth perception and all that sort of stuff so get on to that stuff early uh, but he said yeah, I'll give you three months off three months medical and then you can get back to racing mm-hmm. And I, about a month into, I went, if you make it 12 weeks, I could be roasting at Donington. Because <laughs> three months is actually you know, three times 31. Or th- it yeah. makes it no. a few more days. <laughs> that's that's actually Monday of Donington, where I could start on Thursday. So I got him to rewrite it, it as 12 weeks. <laughs> um, and then uh, with all this, uh, I'm back and forward to FIM. And then I have to see um, the Professor Sid Watkins. He was the yeah. F1 doctor. Yes, so when... Um, yeah the, the guys had um you yeah, know there was some big crashes in f1 at that stage too and and was it um what's his name the f1 driver had, had a head injury as well uh and also i think back and him, no someone else had had, had
1: bad could it could have I meant there was crashes back then for uh for mika hakenen in adelaide yeah, and yeah. things like that and so, so he
0: was seeing yeah. mika then okay and that was about that and so i had to not only fly back to Europe but had to do all these tests with him as well and then he had to come and watch me on the Thursday of the race at Donington to see if I was okay and all that sort of stuff so that was yeah, I had a focus and and that's all I wanted to do but uh, was get back to riding but there's the thing with the head you you break your arm you put it in a sling you rest it Mm. you can never rest your head Mm. you're either it's either operating for you or you're asleep you know you can't you can't just turn off Mm. so the fatigue and the tiredness was immense I can remember getting out of hospital in Australia, and I stayed in a B&B just around the corner from the hospital. And we walked up to the Hume Highway, I think it was, to a coffee shop. we are in
1: Sydney here. This is the uh, North Shore, I suppose. i it yeah,
0: yeah, and we walk up to the, this coffee shop, and I get there, and I said to Megan, I can't even be here. The, the noise is immense. It's just wearing me out. Wow. I need to get somewhere quiet. Mm. And, and I'm not a, a great reader, but I remember I was reading this book one day, and I read it all day, like for 10 hours, and the day was gone. And I just I started questioning myself how how that did I lose the day? Mm. But then yeah. I sort of said to Megan well, at least I'm asking that question, <laughs> you yeah. know. So because you you're connecting. Yeah, yeah, so you really just don't know, and you, mm. it is so bad. It, it's the the fatigue and the rest you need is incredible. Um, so that yeah, for a good six weeks, I was you know sleeping all the time, and you know, I had to be in a dark room and all that sort of stuff. And but the focus was to get back to racing and yeah. How
1: did it feel when you got on the bike for the first time? Tell tell us about that.
0: Well, there was, there was two emotions there, it was it was the V-twin. Mm-hmm. So this is the bike I've been working on for 18 months to beat these f***ing Ducatis, <laughs> <laughs> you know? This, so, and I got on the bike and went, shit, this is easy to ride. Okay. Yeah, you know, amongst the traffic and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And um, Simon Crafer had been riding in the races I couldn't ride. Mm-hmm. And immediately at Donington, I was, I, my placings were better than his in the last three rounds. So I was feeling pretty happy with myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as the season went on, I started looking at the videos. I can see that I'm probably leaving a bike length too much gap. You know, my, compared to before. Yeah, my reaction timing is probably not there, okay. and I'm I'm probably operating in a safe zone. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm getting better and better and better. And um, but you know, it, it was too early. Okay. Um, but you know, you can you can see it now looking back. But that's all I wanted to do. And, and my results were better than Simon's, so I must be okay. And um, but you know, Colin was out front winning. Mm. Um, so that was hard to take. You
1: are talking about Colin Edwards, Texas mm. tornado teammate obviously. so what then unfolds with the team because it's, it's mate, it's super hard in, in motor racing when you're at the pinnacle like you are here and you're you're an important cog in the machine, the moment a team feels like anything in their mind is not 100 mm. percent, they cut it mate, don't they and that, that's that's the brutal reality
0: what yeah. right. um, and also the other underlying factor is that Honda's going four-stroke GP racing mm-hmm. so their finances are coming out of Superbike okay. and going to concentrate on on the MotoGP. GP, Mono GP. Yeah. Um, so yeah the, the, even the very last race I had on the RC45 um, was at sugo and we had um, a new uh, new Pistons new cams and I'm going why mm-hmm. And uh, that was development for their V5. So oh, if, really? if you take a, an RC45 750 and you add another cylinder, you get the 980 v, V5. Okay. That's mm-hmm. you know, it's the basis of it. Um, so they were already thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And I was led to believe my results were getting better. And you know, so we're going to sign again next mm-hmm. year. Um, and I was let down by the team. And I mean, how do you do it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know I, I'm very bitter to this day, mm-hmm. but not um you know how do you tell someone they're not gonna have a job mm. um when you're the team manager like neil was um, and the japanese have the purse strings mm. and he's thinking it's all going along and in, in the end they go he hasn't got a job mm. um but i was told at the very last race which i thought was not the way to do it because i couldn't hunt for another job mm. I wasn't over yet, I didn't think, um, but every good ride was gone. Um, so I was told it at Brands Hatch on the Saturday night before the last two races. Yeah, um, so that was really disappointing. Um, I thought I'd done well by Honda and, and I thought it was a great story about the comeback and all that. But you know, even then, there, there's not Honda is not great with advertising and all that marketing and there, there is no... There's no social media story to that mm-hmm. back then mm. there is now you mm. know it's it doesn't it's not a brand thing back then it's mm. about the result and that's it mm. and by the end of the year i was eighth in the championship and i wasn't you know winning um so that was a very easy decision and they put my old mate teddy on instead of me mm. but they could put him on without really paying him and they could pay colin to keep going okay. and so that they didn't want two number ones mm. They wanted, you know, Teddy getting, it was getting a bit older, mm. was out of Grand Prix, hadn't been riding for a while. Mm-hmm. They could put him on as a number two and support Colin and that was all they wanted to do.
1: There are some very symbolic photos of you basically taking your gear off. You're down to your, your underwear. Yeah. You're taking your leathers and all the gear off you with the crowd and it's it's... Sending quite a message at, at that moment mate isn't it a, a, yeah. a sense of proof a sense of relief a sense of all sorts of things
0: isn't it yeah i mean my my re- result in the first race wasn't so bad but the second race all i was doing was right around thinking about my last race mm. and yeah, that was a was done mm. and how i'd been you know how i'd been put out of out of business by people i thought knew me and were looking mm. after me and i was i just couldn't ride really mm. and i so i, I got yeah didn't I don't know 8th in the race or whatever but I did my own warm down victory lap mm-hmm. yeah, everybody else pulled in the pits and I was riding around waving to people and then I pulled over and I thought well, fuck this I'm getting rid of all this shit I just don't need it and mm-hmm. yeah and the leathers were brand new leathers mm-hmm. uh, that race I didn't have a reason for them next year um but I, I I picked the kid out of the crowd and I thought, yeah, you know, I'm gonna throw him to this kid and somebody else grabbed them and they eventually ended up with this kid and, and I, I got a um a card like about four weeks later and the kid's name was Aaron. Sure. Yeah, so it was all yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Mm. Um but yeah that was the end of it. But I mean, how do you end a career? I don't I don't know. It's mm. just too hard and, and I was retired off. Mm. Um and I went looking in America after that and rode a, a Ducati over there for one race at Daytona and just thought nah if you haven't got the right stuff it's not worth competing in
1: is the hard part in trying to compartmentalize it like that a little bit about loyalty mate because you're a loyal guy you've mm. been that way throughout your, your whole career and I you, you know, clearly you're imagining it would be this reciprocated the same yeah. way back
0: and just just communication if you know it's not going to happen let me tell me and I'll go looking somewhere else mm. um, but the last race you know on the Saturday night and, and they had a, they had, I didn't even know about that. We had a big dinner that night mm-hmm. um, and it was all about me retiring. And no one had told me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to this meeting and they give me all these these, these accolades for the, my time at Castro Honda. And I'm like, yeah. And my so <laughs> what's happened with the contract negotiations? Well, we're, it's done. So yeah, it wasn't done well, mm-hmm. um, but you know, ha- how do you do it? Like you mm-hmm. look at Rossi and you look at, you know, how do you retire when you love it so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I—I mean, Colin and I were really, really close. Uh, Colin Edwards and I were really, really close. Um, and then I had this coming together, um, break my finger, and I was having these microbeads at the time. So we become pretty. It wasn't a nice, nice uh, team there in '99. Mm. Um, it was pretty hard. And then I watched him and his career, and I'm just thinking, just stay home. Mm. You know, I—I I, I get it because mm. you love it so much. Mm. But if you're not at the pointy end you know don't do it mm. and yeah, you, you're risking everything mm. um, Yeah, you know, it's not it's, it's not to you know it's not to be bad it's mm. not a bad thing uh, I'm not trying to put them down for it mm. because I can see how you do it how, how do you retire mm. um, and I saw it with Frankie as well you know do you just run out of rides mm. do you just you know because us as racers next weekend's gonna be better. Mm. You know, always, It's always a great weekend and next week's better. And if you have a bad weekend, you know you've had good ones and you can repeat it soon. Mm. But when you get that old, I don't think you can. Mm. And you know, it's just, it's, it's a real hard one. How do you retire?
1: How much of a struggle was it for you? How long did it take you to sort of get to a place of, you know, to a point, peace on it?
0: Yeah, well, that's where I just came back to New Zealand, like I said, and, and I wanted to get away from it. I mean, I can't watch other people having fun and 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 people like you know riding its against troy courser and all these people and they were still riding they're still at the front mm. troy won another championship in 2005 or was on a zuki mm. i mean he wasn't beating me in my last year yeah you, know, you sort of type of things what you're thinking mm. he probably was but you know what i mean you're, you're still think i can beat this guy and and so you you just can't even watch it because you could be there doing it yeah a
1: couple of things that will we'll power to the end on here firstly Although the the focal point of our discussion is is world superbikes and a and a you know a wonderful chapter in many ways, albeit brought to a premature end, there was some flirtation, if you will, with 500cc. You got to test mixed bike, didn't you?
0: Yeah, yeah, and like all those things, those things I'd made earlier, you know, about going to Agostini and going to Lucky Strike and and I'd actually, you know, it it cost me money and cost me things, you know, I'd had a burning desire. Yeah, and that's probably, when you say that, it's probably the only time I did, you know, through my career was about weekend after weekend Mm. and I didn't have a plan, but I had a plan to go Grand Prix riding if I could. Um, so in '94, when I'd done so well on the Honda for a Honda that wasn't so great, mm. I said I want to test the 500. Awesome. Um, was that like? Well, it's just another motorbike, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing. Everybody goes, oh, it's amazing. It's a 500, and it does this. And yeah, simple. Well, it's a it's a race bike. It's supposed yeah. to do that, it's you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's not like our bike. That's a production bike, and we've tuned it into a race bike. It's supposed to do that. Yeah. Um, but I made a, a pact with, my, with myself that um, at the at the hairpin at um, Phillip Island and at MG Corner, um, I was going to be easy on it. I didn't want to end up high sliding in my head like a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, and I had a, had a great test. We were there for five days, and I had the last half day. Okay. Doug Poland had the last half morning on the bike, um, and as a time, I think I was 1.9 seconds slower than Mick. Mick had been there for five days. Um, but I was as fast as Ito and Caparossi in half a day. Fantastic. And I was like, so where do I sign? <laughs> and, yeah. and at the time, like I say, the money was sort of super bike. They yeah. said, Mick gets paid, Caparossi brings money, and Ito's Japanese. So there's, there's no, no room really. for it. Yeah. And um, so that was the end of it, really. And, and that's where the end of my dream and I'm going to do this. And, um, yeah, that's with the Honda, I did it, you know, four strokes, and that was it.
1: Mm. You've rattled off some great names in this in this chat that have been either rivals or teammates, um, even McDuan, who you mentioned there a moment ago, from Carl Fogarty to Troy Corsa, um, uh, Loris Caparossi there a second ago too. You were teammates to John Kaczynski, who is a unique individual mate. <laughs> that was tricky that wasn't it when uh, I think you got to a point where you even asked them basically not to park their motorhome next door to you in the end didn't you
0: yeah thanks for it Rusty I was trying to forget about that <laughs> forget about him uh, John I don't I, just, I, no, I actually don't know what he has over others okay. like he went on to ride a 500 the next year after riding mm. the superbike. I mean what did he have over the japanese i don't know it it was it was bizarre Mm. and like you say um i can remember his motorhome driver a nice guy he parked next to us and and one weekend i just spent all the time looking out the window at what john was up to i said you just can't park next to me anymore it's just too it's just i just can't stop but look you know one he one day he was you know cleaning his motorhome but he would go and rinse the the rag out over at the public toilets He'd drive there in his car and back, and it was just, it was, he was bizarre. Um, and, I mean, he, he had a disorder. He, You know, he was um, OCD. Um, and, you know, but that's what it takes. It takes a whole lot of different people. And, and also that the whole thing, yeah, you know, the rivalry amongst everybody. And, you know, in the early days, Superbikes was about having a barbecue and having fun. And it was really cool. And then the money came, and it became a bit different. Um, but it just does take different characters. And, you know, not to be, I've mentioned those names and maybe – what I've said about them but it's not I don't want to be cruel mm. um they're just different people you know just and you know we are different people and, and you come come about doing it in different ways and um but yeah um just John and I just had nothing we, we couldn't even be in the same room together to get a talk because he he was just didn't want to give anything away and he was it was, it was really weird like all my career is you've you've worked with your teammate the racing's different, mm. but the setup of the motorbike—you share information because you, you, it's for the common good, and whoever comes out on top comes out on top. Mm. John joined the team. There's no team meetings anymore. And I'm like, well, it has been with the last world champions I've been with. Mm. Uh, and it was different, mm. you know. And, and why did he? He seemed to have something over everybody. And, and you know, why was the um, uh, why was the manager of the team going to the airport and picking him up? Why was he not making his own way like everybody else? Yeah, you know, just why was he these all, all special expense you know, for him? It mm. was just, it was bizarre. And I don't know what he had over them. And you know, in that year, like the year before he rode the Ducati and I beat him on the Honda and he was on Ducati and then he came on the Honda and he won the world championship. Yeah, you know, I just, it just, it was so gutting. Mm. Um And, but that year, not as an excuse, but there, it rained a lot.
1: Mm. He
0: was good in the wet. And he he won in the wet. Mm. And I don't know how he won in the wet on the Honda and didn't win on the Ducati because the Ducati was a twin and was easy to ride. But that year I fell off in the first race um, at Phillip Island. It was raining. I was actually closing him down in the wet because I was a good wet rider as well and lost it going into MG. And I was at 20 points behind really the whole year. And that that done it for me. Um, And then the final race of the year was at Indonesia where we had a big, big bust up um, Indonesia. Um, he'd won the championship so there was a, a point where Honda could be one and two mm. in the championship um, So
1: yeah, That was the request of him I think wasn't it that that, that yeah, it helped make that happen A,
0: a silent request, yeah, we, we were at lunch and we, it was indicated that you know, if we could help each other out for Honda to be one and two we mm. would mm. so the first race got underway and I'd qualified pole um, and I'm going around and I'm following John going man he's going really really fast considering he's just won the world championship there's nothing at stake and i'm going to win the race anyway because that's the orders mm-hmm. and with the last lap i p- slipped past him and sort of back off the pace thinking well i've done it now i've actually raced him and beaten him and we will just get to get the flag he'll let me get the flag and with two corners to go he puts me out in the dirt Amazing. and i just i didn't actually go to the podium i was so livid and and i went to neil and said what the and they had nothing nothing to say and i'm going well did I interpret our lunch differently than everybody else in the room or what? Mm. So and that cost Honda one, two in that, in that championship. And you know, I had a, a bad result the next, I think I got a third or a fourth. Instead of fighting for the win in the next race, I was just so perturbed what actually happened. Mm. Um, yeah, we, I ended up third again. Mm.
1: You did a bit of four-wheel racing, but before we get to that, just quickly, you had some amazing haircuts <laughs> over, over your time. You're a quiet guy. <laughs> I, love, I love chatting with you here now. It's terrific. But... I mean, there's mohawks and all sorts of things going on back then, wasn't
0: there? Yeah, and but why? I, I, I still don't know. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> Did Megan okay these? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it started in Australia, actually. We had a hairdresser friend come and stay with us and we shaved a bit out of here and a bit out of here back then and then I started doing it and, and then it became an expectation. Once I started with colours, it was like, well, what's next weekend? And I actually felt it from the fans. You know, what oh, yeah. are you what are you going to do? It's got to be different. Yeah. You've got to change and for a whole year there, it was... and. And it was, I didn't, there was no commercial you know, sense behind it at all, but it worked, did work for me. And people noticed I was one different, of the different. Know, and, you know, I wasn't just a Honda, you know, part of the team. I was my own person, which it actually worked really well. Um, but I didn't know at the time. I was just doing it for a laugh. Um, I can remember it, uh, Robbie Phyllis coming to. Um, Bruno, and so he got the clippers out, and we we carved a chicken flag in the side of it. Yeah, it was just it was just something to do. Yeah.
1: On your CV, there is a bit of time in the British Touring Car Championship. Even in recent uh, weeks, before you and I have spoken, you've been in a an Aston Martin sports car doing a bit of four wheel racing, which is terrific. Um, that's been a good a good thing I think mate hasn't it for you to go off and, and do that it, it, most two wheel races do struggle with it because it's not the same buzz it just doesn't give you the same kick does it
0: no and, and, and the touring cars when I did that in, in England was, was amazing yeah. but it actually started my career in, in the car racing and loved it and sort of ended it as well because People taking you out all the time. It's not like a motorbike, you know. They are very different. Mm. You know, when you you try too hard in a car and you end up in the gravel, you put it in reverse and back out. Mm. On a bike, you've got meat missing. You got mm. skin off. You know, um, and people tagging you just for tagging your sake and taking you out and causing you a lot of damage. And mm. so the buzz is there. But once you start getting that sort of you know people taking you out of the races, then you lose lose the glow. But um, it's it's a cool thing. I, I love. I've always loved cars, mm. um, and anybody can drive one. But it's hard to drive fast. Yeah. You know, Anyone can drive one to the second and a half of the car's limit. Mm-hmm. But to get that last second and a half is, is really tricky. And um, even you know, I'm learning that today when I drove with Daniel Gorton and the Aston Martin, yeah. you know, still learning, you know, different things and it's it is a cool thing. Um, but it's it's just it is different. You know, it's it's not motorcycling. You know, in a car you're, say, 70 kgs strapped into one spot and the next driver is 70 kgs strapped in one spot. So to do that lap time, you brake at the same spot, you get on the throttle at the same spot, you do everything the same. But on a motorbike, you never do anything 100%. So it's always because I'm a bit of a late breaker. I do it this way. Mm. He breaks early and carries more corner speed. So you, your setup's completely different, and and there's still something left for the individual. Yes, where a car's
1: a Which car. You clearly enjoyed. Yeah,
0: yeah, where a car you can't manipulate ma- manipulate a car at all. Mm. It stops where it stops, and it goes where it goes. Mm. Yeah.
1: You're a friend of Greg Murphy's, and you know there's lots of good Kiwi supercars races as you and I talk. One thing I don't know from the the uh, research for the chat. Did you test a supercar, and uh, if, you know if you did, share some details on that?
0: I did actually, and it was through Greg. Yeah, yeah um, was it called a raceway? Um, I don't even know what year it was. I think it was a Kmart car, and and somehow there was a. We were talking, and it could have been a chance of an endurance race or something like that, and. How many laps did you get? Um, I've probably ten or twelve at at Calder. Um,
1: Pattern gearbox, it would have been. Yeah, back then. yeah, yeah, all
0: that sort of stuff. And the worst thing, I should have made sure that the seat fitted me. It didn't fit me, and I it wasn't a, it wasn't a great test because Greg is bigger than me and okay. and you know, taller than me. Um, so I had fun, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't don't think it showed my full potential, and we couldn't move on from there. Okay. Um, you know, I wish. I, there
1: was a bit of loose talk about maybe a sand down and kind of thing. Yeah, is that what you're
0: saying? Yeah, yeah, loose talk, and you know, Greg and I. Go way way back as in um, when he won his scholarship to uh, the the, shell, yeah, right. yeah, the, the formerly a Ford scholarship. Mm-hmm. I was at the same thing and I had a, a few drives as well, but I was still a, a, a racer, okay. so I wasn't going to be able to win the scholarship. The next year, I wanted to um, you know, want to race as well, and um, so I, I um, rented a car off the same team who he, he won the scholarship. Okay. and Greg actually was my mechanic for a couple of races, right? yeah,
1: so <laughs> Greg Murphy on the tools, what's he like?
0: But all, all right, mechanic, mentor, you know, tell, tell me how to drive, so. Um, so it was yeah we've known each other for a long long time um, and that's where I was trying to push that thing you know um, and get into car racing and, and I thought at the end of my career that it could be like that you know that swap over to supercars but as we know that the the championship in, in in Australia is so good but there's a lot of money and you've got to have a lot behind you to get into it and it just wasn't going to happen
1: and and as you know mate it's an ultra ultra competitive game too i want to finish if we can with love of motorcycles how it all kind of started in in some respects for you have you kept a bike for now do you throw your leg over it every once in a while what what is there in terms of just um either maybe something you've kept in an historical sense or maybe just a, a nice bike that you've got for a ride on occasion
0: yeah, well, I, I stepped away a lot and didn't ride anything, and I, I've always how long for? Um, I think I bought my first bike in two, you know it was a 2010. Wow. So ten, years, 10 bef- years before I bought my first motocross bike to go trail riding on. Wow. Um, so the I, yeah, it was a 2010 CRF 250, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so I do a lot, bit of trail riding, and I've always have loved that, and I haven't really ridden on the road, and never rode on the road my whole life. Okay. Um, but I've bought an adventure bike, so if, yeah, so I've got an Africa Twin and it's so fun, yeah, and I love it It's you know because you can go down to the shop on it It's got steering lock to get around with your mm-hmm. milk carton on the front or you know or you can end up on a gravel road or whatever and and in this day and age with our roads like they are and that It's great to get out in the back country. and mm-hmm. you know I'm, I do prefer the tighter tar seals in the gravel, but you know, it's, and that's what I ride and um I've got a few other things i've got a a, a fat boy from years ago i, I bought, bought one of them when, okay. when yeah when the Terminator came out because yeah. i just thought i had to have one um <laughs> and i've got a um a 2016 fireblade um i only bought it because it's the last bike with no traction control no abs just because i rubbish it so much that i had to have one okay you know so i bought one of them because it's the end of that yeah and i've i've got some 400 replicas of the the eight hour bikes Nice. But, um, so when when you win the 8-hour, to sell on Monday, they make a replica of the bike yeah. in a, like a um, an L platers bike, so yeah. 400. So they make it the same colour scheme. So I've got a couple of those. Excellent. And I I bought the last RC 45 in a in a crate. So I've still got it in the crate. Yeah.
1: Well done, mate. It's been fabulous to walk back. We spent some time here looking at your career. I know it didn't come with a world championship, but I love the the tenacity. I I love. The gritty comebacks that you've had from from things along the way mate it's been an amazing story.
0: No, awesome Greg yeah. and, and like you know I wouldn't change it for the real world either you know once again a kid from Masterton got to do all that sort of stuff it does feel like another life but you know it was so cool and, and why would you have any regrets why would you want to change it I mean it was life and we've done that part and we've moved on.
1: From Masterton to Monaco and back again we're sitting here now well done, well done. Cheers Rusty's Garage is recorded for Podcast 1. Written and presented by me, Greg Rust. Series producer and editor is Alex Mitchell. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. If there's someone you want me to talk to on Rusty's Garage, get in touch on the show page at podcast1australia.com.au. To listen to more episodes, search Rusty's Garage Podcast. Listen for free at podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the app. I'm Greg Rust. Enjoy the drive, but drive safely.